Our gospel reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, you do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this moment and time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. For all of you who do not know, I am Sheila. And somewhere in this crowd is my daughter, Um, I won't name her, Kira. (laughs) I have two dogs, Lucky and Nash. And as of 8.30 last night, I have a new pet, a mouse. (laughs) So I'm sitting at my dining room table. What does this have to do to Advent? I will get there, I promise. I'm sitting at my dining room table, and I see something coming out of the, from the corner of my eye. You know how you think you're imagining something? So I look, and there it is, in the middle of the floor, looking at me as I'm looking at it. And I scream. My daughter did not respond. I have to put that out there. I scream, eek! And the mouse runs back. So I said, how can I share that story this morning? Because I have a mouse in my house. And I wanted to talk to Woods about changing my sermon instead of being already and not yet to a mouse in my house. So 
you know what? There is a correlation here between this mouse that is making its way chaotically throughout my house and Christmas. During Christmas, we are like little mice running around, busy, doing all kinds of things, going all kinds of places, trying not to get caught up. But I will catch this mouse in my house. But this mouse reminds me of how chaotic Christmas time can be. Running from place to place. When I screamed eek, he looked and ran. And I know he was running around last night because my dog was barking, my other dog was scurrying around, and I couldn't sleep. Christmas can be so busy at times that we cannot sleep as well. Scurrying like this mouse in my house. But here we are, the first Sunday in Advent, where our journey begins in expectation of the birth and second coming of Jesus Christ. Our passage in the Gospel of Mark begins with this apocalyptic end time scene. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven. See, this narrative starts at the beginning of the passage, but it has to do with what happens in verse 1. When Jesus and his disciples are coming out of the temple, a disciple is in awe of the scenic views. And he says to Jesus, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings And Jesus says to him, I really think Jesus is a gangster. I'm not kidding. Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Jesus was tough. He took this great scene, this beautiful time to make a lesson, to teach something. So as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign when these things are all to be accomplished? And Jesus began to tell them through a series of many parables throughout Mark 13. In his 20-volume work, Flavus Josephus, a Jewish historian, historian, writes, the sum of the stones described by the disciples were 37 feet long, 12 feet high, and 18 feet deep. So the disciples' amazement is understandable. And their apocalyptic discourse taught by Jesus was not Shocking to them. During this season, we need to remember that Jesus is Jewish. And he would often reference scripture in his teaching. And as he journeyed with the disciples, he wanted them to be certain that they understood who he is as the Messiah. So these words that we hear and witness during various times throughout the Christian liturgical year are not newly fashioned by Jesus for shock value. 
They are prophecies from various Old Testament texts such as Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Joel. He utilized these to constantly and consistently remind God's people that the Son of Man is coming and he will return. See, this language, this end time language is shocking to us. Uh, Our imaginations begin to wonder about end times. We may have questions formulate. Hollywood has had entertaining, dramatic, and comedic movies around end time chaos and themes. There's literature, including blogs and articles of what the world will look like when Christ will return, and even some dates when this will happen. But like so many areas of our life, This mystery, this wonder has the ability to throw our faith deeper into the unknown and leaving us questioning the when. But in this one area, we do not have to concern ourselves, yet it is worthy of study. And Christ reiterates in verse 32 that no one knows, not even himself, when the Son of Man will return. So when the newscast comes on and says, this is the date that the world will end, continue to make your purchases and be with your family. Because no one knows. But we, I, and you need to diligently watch for the Messiah. Whenever I hear the word expectation, because this passage breeds expectation, one word comes to mind for me, and that is the word wait. Waiting can be exciting and difficult and painful. Waiting can also be rewarding. And as I've been listening to Henry Nouwen's A Spirituality of Waiting, He says that we are a waiting people. So for a moment, I want you to reflect on these statements. Waiting is an essential basic stance in life. We do not have a very popular attitude toward waiting. If we're waiting for traffic to clear up, if we're waiting in line, if we're waiting on the phone, waiting is not something that people think about with great sympathy. Farmers wait. Mothers wait. We wait for the train. We wait for vacation. We wait for each other. Most of our lives involve and revolve around waiting. Now one says that we do not see people being sympathetic when they have to wait a lot. Waiting is an awful desert between where you are and where you want to go. Waiting is a waste of time. Yet here we are, during Advent, called to do what? Wait. So how can we embrace waiting for something that we know and believe has already happened? How 
can we continue to wait for someone when we have no idea when he will come? See, our waiting for Christ today is very different from how the Jewish people lived out their expectation of the coming of the Messiah. They didn't know he was coming. They didn't know what to expect. So here we are stuck between this great paradox of the already, but not yet. You know with your knowledge, your faith, your scriptures, your traditions that Jesus did come And now we are here again, reflecting upon what it means for the birth as if we didn't already know. The return of the Messiah, which has not yet happened. So today, you're being asked to align your whole attitude, your heart's in your life and go back 2,000 years. Go back 2,000 years to spiritually join a group of women, men, and children and wait in expectation for a child to be born. This is the newness, the refreshing of the season where we should pretend that we don't know what's upcoming, but to wait from a place of revival and freshness. You were called to align your whole attitude, your life, and your heart, and be present in the moment with expectation of the second coming of Christ. We have Christmas as a celebrated holiday on our calendars, leading up to this time of anticipation of it being wonderful, being over, and most likely a wallet buster. But we're in this continuous cycle every year, trying not to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, but sometimes we do. But I want you to consider this. We are not being called with a 2017 perspective of waiting. We're being called to shed what we know And wait with expectation for the one who was born and comes for all of us. We're not waiting for the retelling of the Christmas stories or even Christmas Day. But we are waiting for Christ. We are waiting for the Messiah. We are waiting for the King. In this passage, Jesus uses the parable to describe what it means to wait. Where the head of a household leaves on a trip, he puts his servants in charge, each with their own tasks, most likely cooking, cleaning, administering, directing, accepting visitors, relaying messages, 
And he also commands the doorkeeper, the security guard, to stay watchful. There's no reason given why the man leaves on this journey. Yet he requires his servants to be vigilant. Vigilant. This man has asked his servants to keep watch, and he expects them to do so. The servants would have to be trustworthy. They'd have to be able to pay the required bills and take care of any personal business, as well as do all the required tasks to keep the house in order. But unlike today, where we automatically set up our bill pay, Security alarms are set, lights are on, timers, our pets are in the kennel or with our neighbors, and then we can go away. We are very different from 2,000 years ago. So this parable would pierce the hearts of those listening because they understood the amount of trust one must have to leave their home to someone else. Christ has entrusted us as he leaves, as he left to take care of his home, of his people, of his creation, of each other. The Messiah desires for us not to get caught up in daily minutia, but to continue to wait and watch and serve in expectation of his return. We can miss this part of the Advent season that might have been obvious and important at one time, being able to wait for Christ, not knowing, being able to wait for his coming. It is through the already And the not yet that the Holy Spirit is at work and we have the grace to wait in expectation. We have received this promise and we are called to wait together in community, serving one another, worshiping in song, praying for and with each other. In expectation for Christ, this divine figure, we may not physically be asleep. We are very much awake. But I want you to think about this for a moment as I close. This is a spiritual season. So instead of embracing the holiday parties, which are fun, the late night shopping trips, the gospel reminds us to be awake, to watch, and to wait, and to be expectant of God in the world. And finally, Henry Nouwen says, waiting is active. Waiting is not hopeless and passive. See, we get irritated when people tell us to just wait. But we are called to spiritually wait. 
and to witness God at work, not only in our life, but in the world. Wait. 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 May we all be challenged to remember waiting is never moving from nothing. It's from something to something. We are waiting in anticipation and expectation, not for Christmas Day, but for the coming of the Messiah, whether as a baby or coming in clouds with great power and glory. Wait in expectation for what God will bring. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for reminding us what it means to wait. Waiting can be difficult. Waiting can be hard. Waiting can be challenging. But with your grace and your Holy Spirit, we can and we will wait and serve you in the process. Let our time together be one of glory, one of celebration, knowing that you are to come, but waiting like they did 2,000 years ago, as if we did not. Let all things be new in our lives because of you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.